of the Turbo Team Podcast with Jake Brand. Don't you go anywhere near that! Ben Neeson. Like just being caught metaphorically with your pants down. And Alex Powell. Do you know I saw those cute one time? Tommy Gun. Reviewing and breaking down movies and TV shows from all genres. This is the Turbo Team Podcast. Welcome back to week 11 of the Turbo Team Podcast. Last week, we took a week off as we were watching Pete Davidson's new movie, King of Staten Island. We all watched it together, and we tried recording that night, but we had some technical difficulties. But we are back this week to talk about the Jed Apatow film. I'm Jake Brend, your host. Alongside me, Ben Neeson and Alex Powell. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Jake. How are you? I'm living, I'm living the life at the lake. I'm just on the pursuit of happiness on about you guys. <laughs> the the Will Smith movie or the Kid Cudi song? Dude, that movie sucks. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, I'm not that a, I'm not not a, a good fan movie. of that movie. <laughs> I'm more of a fan of uh, his movie Hitch starring Kevin James. Um, I think that's the best Will, Will Smith movie. <laughs> pursuit of happiness, 0 out of 10, no Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, anyways, this last week, as I mentioned, we watched King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson, and it's about how his father passed away when he was young as a firefighter in a fire accident. It's pretty much just about, it's almost like Pursuit of Happiness in a way of just kind of like a mediocre guy dealing with everyday problems, just like trying to make it, but it's so much better than Pursuit of Happiness, but it kind of follows that formula a little bit. It's just about mm-hmm. the the everyday struggle of mental illness that isn't, like, in your face. We'll get more into this when we talk about what we like about the movie. It's not in your face like Joker or Taxi Driver. It's more just kind of subtle in everyday life. But before uh, we, we talk in depth about the movie, what were your overall thoughts on the first viewing of the Pete Davidson movie? Much like uh, Pursuit of Happiness, uh, Igor uh, from the movie is actually Pete Davidson's son. Rico from- <laughs> Rico. <laughs> um, I really liked it. Uh, I knew I I kind of thought I was gonna like it going in. I saw the preview and I was like, oh, that kind of looks interesting. I'm a I'm not a huge Pete Davidson fan, but I do find him funny. I find him funny when he's not on SNL. I think he kind of falls under the same kind of trap that uh kyle mooney has where he's like genuinely a funny person but either they don't give him enough screen time or the people or like the situations and characters they make him do like just aren't that funny overall so i i think he's someone that's really bigger than what we get to see him in and so it's kind of nice to see him star in his own movie uh what was that other movie he had on hulu what was that called it was big adolescence Uh, yeah yeah, big adolescence. That was, I mean, he was kind of a star in there, but I think Griffin Gluck was caught, was mainly the main focus of that movie. But uh, but I re- I really liked it. I thought Bill Burr was really really good in this. Uh, you know, Pete Davidson was really good. I thought it it t- like you said, it did tackle mental health in a way that unlike Joker, where Joker is like the most extreme version of it, this tackled a more realistic version that people can kind of relate to. And I it was really enjoyable. It had a really good message, and I I laughed quite a bit. So uh, it was a good movie, I thought. Uh, what I thought about the movie was just that, like, I saw lots of uh, clips and trailers coming out uh, about it on Twitter, and, like, that's how I found out about it. I mean, because 
there's not really any ways to promote films and there's not a whole lot of buzz going around especially in the months leading up to the release of this film considering uh, COVD and everyone staying inside and no one wanting to go out to the movie theaters um so i was able to just like uh scroll through and see that and i was actually caught off guard because that like it seems like a movie that i'd really enjoy and i loved all the like little teasers that they had uh for the movie and i love the trailer like the trailer's like really good i I don't know, I really love the trailer for some reason. And uh, I was, like, very anticipated uh, coming up and to watch this movie because I'm actually a fan of Pete Davidson, uh, more for stand-up than anything else, much like Alex said, <laughs> uh, SNL exclusive. But uh, I really like uh, Pete Davidson, and just, like, it seemed like an interesting movie in general, but, like, when I watched it, uh, there were just, like, kind of some really funny moments and some, uh, like, setups that really just flowed well and just, like, fit perfectly within one another. But then there was just lots of dead space and uh, dead time that I felt kind of dragged it down a bit. But that's just, like, my overall for now. Yeah, Ben, so I agree with most of what you just said. I, I really liked the humor in this movie. I thought... Like, Pete Davidson's friend group with Fat Kanye and Nico was just, like... (laughs) (laughs) I thought all that stuff was so funny, but as you said, there's a lot of dead time that kind of dragged. And we'll get into more of the negatives in a bit. But as much as I love that friend group, it didn't feel like they were that necessary in this movie. Or they shouldn't Mm -hmm. have played as much as a role as they did. But we'll get into that more. Obviously, I love the performances by Pete Davidson, Bill Burr, Marissa Tomei... Just, just to name a few. Oh, Steve Buscemi, of course. This, Steve this movie Buscemi. had a, had a very good cast, for, mm-hmm. for what it was, and I thought that definitely played off. And this wasn't outside of, the bank robbing scene. This wasn't an action movie at all. There were hardly any action scenes. It, it really was carried a lot by the cast and the writing. And I thought that, I thought that that played out pretty well throughout the course of the movie. And when we get into negatives, more I'll talk about that. But first off, I really like the cast. I like the story, and I like how, even though it wasn't based off of a true story, it related to Pete Davidson, the star's life. Because when he was young, he lost his dad as a firefighter in a in a fire accident. And I thought that it's that was 9/11. really... Oh, yeah, 9-11, my bad. But mm-hmm. it was... It was really cool how you could tell how invested Pete Davidson was in the story because it was, even though he was playing a character, he was still kind of playing himself even more, and he was playing off of some real grief, and I thought that that was really well done, and I thought that the story played off of that pretty well. Yeah, I already touched on the humor. I loved the tattoos in pretty much any <laughs> single scene. They were so Game. funny. like. My my favorite scene was probably yeah gang when they they showed Bilber's back with all the tattoos that Pete Davidson gave him and just like they were so bad. Hi Jesus <laughs> next to old dirty bastard. Gang I, yeah that was that was without a doubt my favorite scene of the entire movie. I thought that was so funny. What did you guys think of like the cinematography and how everything was shot? Um. 
I thought it was shot like a Judd, like a Judd Apatow movie. Like he doesn't really he go he really tries to go for more of humor and story, and he doesn't really focus on a lot of like creative shot shots and stuff like that. He he doesn't really do a lot of artsy comedies, which is fine. I mean, I like Judd Apatow movies; they're always really good. Uh, so it was very very mediocre, but it was shot like a comedy, so I can't complain too much about it. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I do like how. They shot Staten Island in some aspects because, I mean, this movie was it was filmed in a lot of different locations throughout the house, the fire mm-hmm. department, the the penthouse, pretty much like everywhere. And I thought that even though it wasn't too creative, I liked I liked how it really played off kind of that like New York vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of disagree a little bit. Uh, all the settings were pretty unique and very colorful, just like on paper, with the sort of like grimy-ish aesthetic of uh, Staten Island, as well as the baseball game, uh, the firehouse, like you said. But I honestly didn't think they shot it anything with any specific uh, theme or creative uh, endeavor in mind. They just kind of seemed like pretty basic shots for me, although like it was just interesting to see the shots that they did include just because it's an interesting setting. But that was about it for me. Yeah, there weren't really mm-hmm. any there weren't really any shots in this movie that I was like, what are they doing? It was all just kind of like. I think I think when when watching a movie, if the cinematography isn't like notice noticeably bad. In a movie like this, I think you're okay. Yeah. It's not going to win any Academy Awards, but... Oh, one other thing. One other thing that I really liked. I I loved the soundtrack in this movie. Yeah, it was a good soundtrack. Yep. I liked how how uh, Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi was the main song. I really like Kid Cudi, and I know Pete Davidson's a big Kid Cudi fan, too, so that that made a lot of sense as a choice. All my homies love Kid Cudi. Hey, we do. Except Speeding Bullet to Heaven was complete garbage. <laughs> so, but I have, I have, I'll save my Kid Cudi takes for when we talk more about music, which isn't isn't this week, unfortunately. What'd you guys think of the the scene where they all sang one headlight? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was kind of out of I nowhere. Mean, yeah, no. <laughs> like a, they're just standing around. Like <laughs> it was all build up to the chorus, and like they showed like five seconds before that, and they're just standing as a group, <laughs> like in the corner of the room. <laughs> do you think that was a? Do you think that was a comedic choice, or do you think that just like happened? That happened naturally. No, <laughs> I think that was a comedic choice. Yeah, it was definitely a play okay. on irony. I think. Okay. Good. That's what, that's what I was thinking too, but I didn't know if I was you know, the only <laughs> one. Uh, what are some negatives? You guys seem like you have a lot more negatives about it than you do positives. I don't think that's necessarily true because I really like this movie, but I think that this movie was kind of what I expected. So mm-hmm. I liked a lot of what I liked, which was the humor, the story, and the cast. And I think that although those are extremely essential to the core of the movie and like if you don't have that you're not gonna have a good movie 
I think mm-hmm. that there's not really much that I can go in depth on in that. I just think that it was kind of what I expected, and it it was a little better than I expected, but it didn't blow me away by any means. But some yeah. of the negatives I did have was I think that this movie was too long. I, it was two hours and 17 minutes, and I think mm-hmm. that the movie easily could have been an hour 50. There were yeah. there were a couple subplots, specifically Pete Davidson's sister. I think that it was it was kind of important that his sister left to go to college for Pete's relationship with his mom, or mm-hmm. sorry Scott Scott's relationship with his mom. But I felt that like the 20 minutes, the 20 25 minutes that that took up, I don't think was necessarily worth making the movie. Like that's something that could have done widely off screen. And yeah. I think a lot of a lot of the same stuff. Even though I loved the friend group a ton. I thought that the bank robbery scene was almost unnecessary. I think that there was just there's a lot more stuff that they could have gotten straight to the point on and cut off almost half an hour of this movie. I think it like was worth bank? it just for that one joke they did about the you up text. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. I think honestly, I think that was my favorite part about the movie. Where he's just like, what a fuck, what a fuck, what a fuck, what a fuck, you up, you up, you up, you up. <laughs> but. <laughs> but uh but yeah like like that scene that part was funny and, like see that scene it was comedic like it was comical like the like the guy like the guy and his wife are there and they're just shooting at him and like that part was and Pete davidson outside like by himself just playing like games on his phone was funny but like in the grand scheme of the movie like <laughs> that was like that was like 20 minutes that just had nothing to do with the story you know like the most we got out of it was uh was uh was Igor's girlfriend, this girl that he was talking to, like, was real. And, like, that's the most we found out about it, you know? So... What, what game was what game was Scott playing again? It was, it like... Was like uh, Space Invaders or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, like, a Space Invaders type game. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, that, that, that scene was funny. I think, I think Ben said, like... Like there was a lot of dead at time, and I think I, I would agree to an extent that the movie didn't need to be two hours and seventeen minutes. I thought I understood the the firehouse scene, but I felt like there's times where it was like kind of awkward, like like they're just fitting in like everyday scenes that didn't really pertain to the story and stuff, you know. And then I think the montage, Ben, I think Ben, you pointed it out when we were watching the movie. Uh, it's either Ben or Jake, but the montage where where uh, Marissa Tomei and Bill Burr's characters start officially dating and they're hiding it from Pete and it seems like they're hiding it from Pete for months but like Pete lives with his mom and Bill Burr's there like all the time so it's like how did he not see like Bill Burr's character like coming and going you know so that was kind of like a I guess a plot hole in a way but I, I, that montage went on a little too long and then by the time it was over I was like how long? How long was that montage? And how has Pete Davidson just now realized that you know his mom has a boyfriend and that it's the guy who's Sunny tattooed? You know, and the then, montage was a one night stand. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, and then I honestly I would have loved to see more. If I if there's one thing I would love to see more of, I wanted to see more of Pete Davidson's relationship with Bill Burr's kids because I felt that relationship was very uh. Innocence, not the word, but it, I mean, it was very, it was very interesting. They're to watch, contrasting like, very well. Yeah, yeah, like just there's these two innocent kids, then like P. 
Pete Davidson, who if you saw him walking across the street, you you know you'd avoid him because he looks like this dude that's just like high out of his mind all the time. You know, <laughs> no offense to Pete, but like it, it was just Pete interesting Davidson, watching friend Pete, of the program. Pete Davidson, friend of the program. It was just interesting seeing that dynamic, and I thought it was really it was really neat to see him interacting, like how how well how he does so well with these kids, especially since he you know tattooed one of them when he was like ten years old. I, I would have I would have liked to see more of that. I think that was that could have played a lot into the movie as far as Pete growing as a person, you know. And I, I felt uh, well, we talk about how how it did depict mental health in a good way. I think it depicted mental health not so much. It didn't romanticize it, you know. Like it it wasn't a main point. The main point was kind of Pete, you know, trying to figure out who he was, and uh, his mental health was kind of like like it, that was getting in the way of him kind of reaching his full potential and it didn't show him like you know stuck in bed all day or you know down on himself it just kind of is like he's like yeah i mean it's just something i deal with and all the characters were like come on pete you can't be like this all the time he's like why not uh it was just it was a very casual way of you know of showing it and i i just i thought they did it really well kind of more casual not romanticizing it which i think is very important when addressing something like mental health in a movie yeah, I think that there are a lot of movies out there that do romanticize it and they they do depict it in an extreme way, like mm-hmm. Joker, like Taxi Driver. And I think that that's super important, too, because there are people that deal with it in the most ex- extreme. So yeah. in that sense, you can like you can show a normal audience like how extreme it can be, what it can look like, what their ramifications can be. But also, I think it's important to do movies like this where it's clearly a theme and it's clearly a problem. But it's also like, yeah, I struggle with it, but I'm I'm still able to, like, live my everyday life and like life I, still goes on. I think that it's I thought that this movie did a really good job of showing that end of it. But also there still is a need for movies that show like the extreme and the seriousness of it. Yeah, I think I think the importance of showing something like this where it is so casual is if you're trying to raise awareness for it, which I'm not saying that they were, but obviously that like that was a plot point that they invested in. So obviously they're trying to raise some awareness of it. But I think it's important to show that, you know, someone is struggling with mental health, even if they don't show it, you know, they can be laughing and smiling and having a good time and just be kind of carefree and stuff. But it doesn't really show how they really are. And this kind of helps, you know show just everyday viewers that like you know it's not all like like you're not going to be sitting on a bus and there's going to be some dude laughing to himself you know and then like a laugh crying to himself or or like someone like uh robert nero's character in taxi driver like those are the obvious signs and i think more people struggle with it it isn't that obvious and i think this shows like how you can notice those little signs to maybe your friend or co-worker you know significant other or what is is struggling and i think that's very important to to show it's the very modern aimlessness sort of like depression out of like not knowing where to go or what to do and mm-hmm. that kind of like exemplifies that really well yeah so yeah, wanting wanting I to open a, up a tattoo restaurant yeah tattoo restaurant i have a question was it just me or well we obviously all watched this together i didn't i forgot to bring it up at the time but did it seem like Pete Davidson didn't have that many lines to you guys? He had lines. It was just like he had like his lines were a lot of comments. 
It was a lot of him like riffing too. Yeah, I just I just felt like I mean I don't I didn't hate it like I this isn't a point that like bothered me the whole time. But I just felt like like every time Pete Davidson was was in a scene, he wasn't the one doing the most most of the talking. You know, I feel like it was Bill Burr, it was Marissa Tomei, or you know, uh, his sister. I think it, it's Matt Apatow, it's Judd Apatow's uh, daughter. But I just feel like whenever he was in a scene, he wasn't doing most of the talking. He was more like you said, riffing off and like kind of like reacting to what other people were doing. I just I thought it was really interesting and kind of how he's playing this main character, but he's not like he's not acting like a main character if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think I noticed that until you pointed that out, but I guess I, a lot of my favorite Pete Davidson lines from the movie were, like, him reacting to something. Like, when the mm-hmm. kid, when the kid and Bill Burr were at his door showing the tattoo and he walks down, <laughs> <laughs> and then just immediately walks out. Yeah. Like, I felt like that was the majority of Pete Davidson's character, and that's not saying he didn't have important lines, because he did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right, I think. A lot of his important acting was with facial expressions and with like playing off of other characters. Yeah, I also on the positive side, I think I, genuinely, I think the best performance in this movie was Bill Burr. I really, really love Bill Burr's performance in this. You know, a guy. I think he, I think he played kind of a serious role in this, which is weird for him. You know, he played kind of a serious role in The Mandalorian, which you know, it's a Star Wars show. It's gonna be. A little bit comedic, a little bit unrealistic, but I thought I thought for the most part this was kind of a serious role, and I thought he, yeah, I thought he killed it. You know, Bill Burr's a really talented guy, but I didn't think he was that good of an actor. You know. Yeah, it was almost like his Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems movie, where like he was <laughs> kind of playing out of, he was playing out of character, but also. Like, he still had those Bill Burr moments where yeah. he was pretty funny, but for the most part, like, he was a dramatic actor, and he was playing a serious role. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. That, the part where he let Pete stay in the fire station, though, that was, I don't know, that was kind of weird to me. I know that, obviously, it wasn't, he wasn't the one who made all the rules, but I just thought the kind of the dynamic was kind of weird, how he was like... He's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I need a place to stay. And Bill Burr was like, well, you know, you ruined my your relationship with, you know, my your mom, my girlfriend. But OK, we'll let you stay here. But you got to help around. And then they're like best friends by the end of it. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of weird. How that relationship went like so sour to like pretty good all of a sudden. But I don't know. Yeah, I think that I think that falls under our main problem with the movie, which was the pacing Mm -hmm. and kind of the dead time where they wasted so much time on the relationship between Scott and his sister. That was never like fully fleshed out when they could have just cut that entirely and focused a little more time on the relationship between Scott and Bill Burr. I think that the pacing in this issue or in this movie was a bit of an issue but also, like, I liked it at points where the the beginning was fast and it was covering a lot of relationships and a lot of different different things yeah. at, at first. So it kind of went back and forth. It, Scott's relationship with his sister was was really weird because, like, obviously she she played a big part in the movie without actually being in the movie, you know, because because like that dynamic between Pete and his mom was always kind of 
Like, it seemed like they always they never spent a lot of alone time together, you know? And his sister was kind of the buffer between them. And, and she, like, she obviously she went off to college, and then it was kind of like... Uh, and then, like, after she left, her role was kind of weird, because he was like... He would, like... Because, I don't know, to me, it didn't seem like they were... Like, it, I didn't believe that they were as close that close, but then she went off to college, and then he's, like, going and partying with her and stuff, and, like... <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it doesn't like while they were the actions were that they are pretty close. I didn't believe that they were close based off like the writing, like the way they wrote it, if that makes sense, you know. But it could just be one of those things where siblings become closer the farther apart they get, which does happen. Yeah. Ben, what do you think is the only one who's had a sibling that's left for college? The only one. Whoa, you're right. Um, yeah, I don't think it was like that really <laughs> at all. <laughs> I mean, I understand like the family dynamics and how that would work, but I'm not necessarily saying that like I was that exact I was in that exact position for those <laughs> yeah, for that, but uh, Mitch, I don't know. <laughs> Mitch leaves for college and then you act like Pete Davidson like you've never talked to your mom before. <laughs> just like standing in silence <laughs> that, that's all i that's all i have to do yeah uh but like you're talking about performances and uh i thought that like bill burr's performance was good yeah but like it's not like it was super demanding anyways i mean he was like he was playing a snarky guy with a little bit of anger issues and was the butt of comedic jokes. I mean, that's kind of how what Bill Burr's persona is kind of in general, too. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I think it was good, but it wasn't necessarily, like, amazing or anything. If anything, I said one of the – I say one of the better performances in this was uh, the uh, daughter, uh, Scott's sister, just because I think – I think she's like a first-time actress. I don't know. She was sure. in. She was in Euphoria. What? Yeah. Who? Whose sister did she play? Was she like uh, uh, Rue's friend? She was. She was. She was Rue's best friend. Yeah, she was the friend that like, she like was? in the first episode. Yeah, in like the first episode when she needed the pee, she in went the over last to her episode? house. No, it was the first episode. Oh yeah. When, yeah. yeah, where she needed the piece, she went over to that. She went over to Matt. It's Matt Apatow's, Judd Apatow's daughter. She went over to her house to get the pee in the Ibu- ibuprofen bottle. Yeah, I've watched one episode. Didn't that same character show up again in like the eighth episode, like the last episode? And she she's was going to be she a bigger was, part. She wasn't a main character in season one. She kind of played a very, very you know side character role. While there, while there is a Rue is the main character. There's a ton of other characters that can, you know, clarify as the main character. It's oh, who's the, who's the girl that had the relationship with the guy that played football? What was her name? Was it Cassie? I don't know. I just I remember know that they were friends. But that well, that was her sister, in, in Euphoria. But anyway, yeah, like you're saying, this like she is new to acting. I think she's our age actually. I think she's 19. So she is new to like acting and she hasn't been doing it for that long. She she's honestly she's mostly done a lot of Judd Apatow movies. He he used to cast her as like, you know, the as like children a lot. And now she's kind of doing her own own thing as she becomes an adult. 
<laughs> in the next film, I hope he casts her as a children once again. <laughs> she's like eight, but she's like 20 <laughs> years old, but she's playing an eight-year-old. <laughs> so pretty much every Adam Sandler movie from before 2005. Yes. Exactly, yep. <laughs> kind of. So do you guys have any other strengths or negatives that you guys want to hit on before we move on to our ratings? I don't know. Uh, yeah, not really. I think before I rate this film, it kind of came off that I didn't like this, but I actually really enjoyed this movie. Like, I had mm-hmm. so much fun watching this, and I thought it hit on a lot of themes. But as I already said, I think that so much of this movie was kind of what we expected. And naturally, mm-hmm. I'm just more of a critic itself. So I I enjoyed this movie, and I guess I'll just get into my rating now. So me, like, me talking about those negatives... Although they were like actual critiques, it was also nitpicks, and I did like the majority of this film. And I think I'm gonna give it a 7.75. Mm-hmm. It, I'd I'd put like eight as really good and like seven and a half as good, and I think it fell somewhere in between there. I I loved Pete David, or I I'm a big Pete Davidson fan. I liked him in this movie. Bill Burr was pretty good, and I just I liked the underlying tones and themes of mental illness. I thought it did. A lot better than I expected for a comedy. Yeah. Uh, ben, you can go. Um, uh, I probably didn't <laughs> verbalize it the best in my segments, but I'm kind of like the opposite of Jake. Uh, I was uh, really, I won't say really, I was pretty excited for this film. Well, I guess really, since like there was nothing really else to be excited about coming out. Uh, but Black Widow. Kevin it. Spacey. Uh, <laughs> but yeah um, I don't know I think maybe that's just because it's my own personal pet peeve of having things being spoiled in trailers for me but I think that just um, the overall sort of stuttery nature of like the movie like moving its plot along and the events of the film just kind of like happening um just wasn't like just didn't do the best for me like it didn't make that big of an uh impact on me as i guess it did for you guys uh but i thought that just uh the movie was just like okay like the cast was good the performances were okay but it dragged on a little bit and like i don't know mm-hmm. if it's anything i'd want to rewatch more than once even uh, so I'm just going to give it a strong 6 to a light 7. Thanks, Fantano. Well, Jake's doing 7.75. <laughs> so I think that's a better way to say it. Uh, I really, I did I did really, really like this movie. Well, not really, really, but I did like this movie. I thought, like I said before, all the performances were really good from the main main the main cast. Uh I did really like the tackles of, you know, mental health. I always really appreciate when movies aren't afraid to tackle that, especially something like like this where it is so casual and how to kind of notice, you know, signs that you might not if you're not looking for them. But <laughs> so I, I, I enjoyed the movie. There was, you know, consistency issues and the plot was dragging on. So I, I think I'll give it a seven and a half. I, I, I'd, I'd recommend this to people I, like a. Some of our friends have asked about it. I suggested they watched it because I liked it that much. But it's not. It's nothing that like. It's nothing that I would call one of my best 
favorite movies ever, even of the year. It's a Judd Apatow comedy. Like they they play it pretty consistent. There's a lot of similar themes and you know jokes and situations between all of his films. The it's pretty consistently a uh, even with on the bare minimum they produce you know six to seven rating movies and I think I like this a little more than a seven, but it wasn't anything too special so i'll give it a seven and a half so while we're on the topic of of comedies and comedians we decided that today we want to get into the realm of stand-up comedy the realm of comedy which with this segment we're going to be ranking i guess it's going to be two separate ones but we're just going to kind of combine them our favorite stand-up comedians or i guess comedians in general we don't really know exactly what we decided on and also our favorite stand-up specials. I think that Alex, you have the strongest opinions on this. So do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. So when 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 we when we were taught when we were discussing this, I was trying to reiterate. Like I think a comedian, because you guys were talking about like acting acting comedians, kind of like a like like a Seth Rogen or like stand-ups like a Dave Chappelle. And I said I I said let's just do overall. So because like if we like someone like a Seth Rogen, who doesn't necessarily do stand-up, but we think he's really funny, you can group him in with an actual stand-up like a Dave Chappelle or or even like an Eric Andre who kind of falls under both. Anyway, so as far as comedians go, I'm just gonna give you probably well okay it's so. My two favorite comedians ever. My the first comedian I ever fell in love with was Louis C.K. Uh, <laughs> I really I really thought Louis C.K. was really funny, and then obviously he's canceled now. And then after I found Louis C.K., I was like, all right, I gotta find a new comedian. And then my next comedian that I really loved was Chris D'Elia. So I'm 0 for two right now for favorite comedians. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> So I don't really know what to say anymore. But. I so wish we would have filmed this last week. I know. <laughs> Dude, I'm so I'm so I'm so angry that these are my two favorite comedians. But aside from kind of them being pieces of shit outside of comedy, I do think Louis and Crystal Lee are two of the funniest comedians I've ever seen. I still watch their stuff, even though they are canceled. But uh <laughs> No, no one's really made me. No one's really made me laugh quite as much as those two. But we don't talk about them anymore. So that's all I have to say on the matter. But uh, as far as my favorite comedians that haven't been canceled, uh, my new number one is probably Hannibal Burris. I think Hannibal Burris is one of the most consistently <laughs> guys I've ever seen. It just his stand up is some. Com- I you're talking about like Theo Vaughn. Like I really like Theo Vaughn, but I don't really care for Theo Vaughn's stand up because I I like him more in interviews where I get to see his personality more. Well. I, well, someone like Hannibal Burris, I think I really get a sense of his actual personality through his stand-up, and I think his stand-up is so consistently funny to the point where like I'll watch like I'll watch stand-ups that I haven't seen. Like the if you heard his stand-up where it was like a guy in a car accident, you know, on my birthday in South Carolina, and I was with Aziz Ansari, and we were like we went to the hospital, and they're like, oh my god, Aziz is here, Aziz is here, Aziz is here, and he's like, yeah, is like oh Aziz, funny people, you know, Parks and Rec, oh Aziz Ansari, and he's like, yeah man, he wasn't all those things, but I'm starting a reality show called Do Bleeding Out of His Head right now. <laughs> I think that's priority. So he just like says funny stuff like that, and like I've watched that like you know twenty thirty times. It makes me laugh every time. And so no no one really makes me laugh quite like Hannibal Burris. So I really love Hannibal. And on the topic of Aziz Ansari, 
he was he again was one of my favorite comedians but obviously he got canceled uh he's kind of back now his me too while it wasn't necessarily the greatest thing it wasn't anything that he couldn't come back from so he's slowly making a comeback now his show uh what's his show on netflix masters called of master of none yeah i can't believe i forgot that but that's one of my favorite shows ever i it's really beautifully shot it's got a, a nice mixture of comedy and you know drama and it's also funny watching a five foot four in, skinny indian guy kind of try and pursuing women and living life in new york city that's really funny and so i really love master no i really love his seasons are i think he's hilarious he i think he kind of escaped that trope i felt when he was on parks and rec people kind of thought he was that really loud you know very wanted to be up to date with literally everything indian guy and i think he kind of did a good job of escaping that trope and kind of you know branching off and kind of showing who he actually is not just a character he played and so i really like aziz Ansari, and i'm glad he's kind of making a comeback um as far as my last one bill burr i really think bill burr's hilarious I, especially recently i listen i watched his interview with joe rogan uh when he was promoting this movie in the it, it was a really it's a three-hour interview i listened to all of it in one sitting it was really interesting just that that man's got such a like his perspective on life is very negative and he is kind of a kind of a, a jerk at times but it's like while his outlook on life is negative it's also really like positive at the same time where he he's not afraid to call out anyone on their bs you know no matter what side of the aisle they are or what their beliefs are and he's like you know if you're if you're being a jack off i'm gonna call you out for it and he's not afraid to call anyone out for it like there's interviews where he'll just be like man why'd you ask that question that's a stupid question it's like live tv with like jimmy fallon or something and i really <laughs> love i really love bill burr i really love his bluntness i think his comedy is you know next level and he's a really talented guy so i, I really like bill burr I'm really uh, proud of you for playing 2K for three hours <laughs> when you said you watched the whole interview. Oh, yeah, I think I was playing 2K that entire time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll get to my favorite stand-up specials when we get around to it. But, uh, Jake, what was, who are some of your favorite comedians? Yeah, so I actually had Hannibal Burris too, just as an honorable mention now because you already mentioned him. I do love his stand-up, and I'm still upset that the funny bone requires you to be 19 to get into most shows. Because sophomore year, Ben's brother Mitch and I were about to go see Hannibal, but then we tur- it turned out that you had to be 19 to see him, and I was like 16. So that was disappointing. But I do love Hannibal Burris' stand-up, but I love him even more on the Eric Andre show. He just plays himself, and he plays himself perfectly. I don't even know if I could make like a top 100 list of my favorite Hannibal moments on that show. But for starters, there's Thomas Ladder, um, <laughs> him eating the Hot Pocket. Like, it's literally endless. I love Hannibal Burris. Hannibal's brother. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm going to join the lady army. <laughs> when his girlfriend comes in and finds out that he's been <laughs> cheating on him and just smacks him. Uh, I also had the late Mitch Hedberg. He's mm. like the... Uh, the king of just like one-liners he doesn't really have like any joke that i've ever heard of where he just like builds it up for the entire show like as much as i like um dave Chappelle and other comedians like they always have that one joke that like at the end they're like oh he's been building that up the whole time and then he just said it like mitch hedberg's literally just like oh yeah deck of cards there's a joke lemons and lime (laughs) you can't make sprite i just and, like, <laughs> the the best part about Mitch Hedberg is his stand-up 
they're just like two and a half minute segments on Spotify. So you mm-hmm. can just plug it in and listen to it and get a good laugh. I've always enjoyed listening to him. Anthony Jeselnik, he's the king of dark comedy. I think that he's kind of mastered that in every sense. And even though, like, at this point it's gotten repetitive for me and he just kind of repeats the same thing over and over, like, it still never gets old. And for some reason, like, it still shocks me. I don't know if you guys feel the same way I do. But I just, mm-hmm. I like Anthony Jeselnik. And I think that was more, like, of me in early high school talking. But I still find him pretty funny. And <laughs> you listen to him in early high school? Yeah, a little bit. The what? dead baby <laughs> jokes. He does those tastefully. Yeah. <laughs> tasteful, then, tasteful dead baby jokes. And then finally, Eric Andre. I, I think that goes without saying. He's... I'll just say like the same thing that I said about Hannibal. I love the Eric Andre show. And I even like his stand-up. He has a Netflix special coming, I think, on Monday. Yes. I saw the it's, I saw the I saw the trailer of it on Twitter and it looked pretty funny. But yeah, he has an upcoming comedy special. And also, even though he's not technically a stand-up comedian, Nathan Fielder, if you haven't watched Nathan for you, watch it. Oh he's, yeah, yeah. He's genius. Okay, he's his comedy is next level. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not a stand-up comedian. And I don't think he would be as good if he was stand-up. But just the way that he does Nathan for you and, like, he acts, but he doesn't act at the same time. Like, you don't know if it's him or if he's a character. He's incredible. And if you haven't watched Nathan for you and you're listening to this show, you have to go watch it. It's it, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's next-level comedy. I don't it's know if... Those, uh, it's one of the most genius shows I've ever seen, you know. I don't know if this uh, considers as a stand-up special, but uh, he uh, he was on a Mac DeMarco set, like the full set, like all 50 oh, minutes. Uh, he just stood in the back and like pretended to tune his guitar in the middle of songs or was just on his phone the whole time. <laughs> Dude, imagine going to a Mac DeMarco concert and there's just Nathan Fielder in the back. Look it up. The pictures are pretty funny. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, Ben, I, I forgot one guy. Uh, John Mulaney. I John Mulaney is. I think nobody nobody is better at making fun of themselves than John Mulaney is, and I think I think he's a really funny guy. And I he's another guy where I, I watch his stuff over and over again. He's it's still funny to me. So all right, Ben, you can go. <laughs> I was about to bring that up. Like shout out to all the quirky Tumblr girls. Love John Mulaney quotes. Just kidding. You guys want to date young Bernie Sanders? <laughs> Wait, what? Have you ever seen that tweet where it's like a picture of John Mulaney wearing glasses and someone was like, oh my god, he looks so handsome. And someone's like, we get it, you guys are in love with young Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I mean, it's accurate. <laughs> All right. All right, Ben, what are some of your favorite comedians? Um, I'm like Alex. I had this planned out as I just – I had this planned out in mind that I just do stand-ups. But if we're kind of going with this, like, kind of loose uh, – I don't know. They're, they're comedians. Like, anybody's, like, like – Okay, like, we're not going to get I'm into this again. I'm a comedian. I'm yeah. a comedian. You're a comedian. <laughs> Anyone can do it. Yeah, someone that consistently does comedy, like, dude, even if, like, dude, like, if you could have said Trevor Wallace is your favorite comedian, and he's technically a comedian. Trevor Wallace? 
You know, Trevor Wallace. Trevor Lawrence. No, Trevor Wallace is. Uh, he just does like dude bro skits on, like YouTube and Twitter and stuff, TikTok. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. What's your list? Uh, you guys saw the picture. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, for my list, um, honestly, uh, I kind of like juggle. I kind of was juggling with this all day for the whole day that I thought about this. Um, but um, when it came down to it, there was like a list of around like five or so comedians that would like just barely skimmed out each other in this listing. And with the new element of just com- comedians in general, I think the top of my honorable mentions outside of the top three is a uh, Tim Heidecker and Eric Warheim of Tim and Eric, just because <laughs> I've been watching a lot of their stuff recently and it's just so amazing. Like it's very subtle or just insanely in your face and they pull it off with, either tones that they go for, whether it's with the bedtime stories that they do, uh, Tim's on cinema, a little uh, side project that he did for (laughs) reviewing movies that was just so self-aware, but like (laughs) also genius at the same time, or just their classic uh, Tim and Eric show, Great Job. Uh, I just think that they're like (laughs) amazing, and I love all the work that they do with their shows. Um, and for number three, uh, this one was kind of neck and neck between, uh, Hannibal Burris and, uh, well, I, I love Hannibal. I love him in Eric Andre's show. I love how he can take a bit. That's not even a joke about flicking pickle juice on sandwiches and make it funny. (laughs) Even though it's just like, (laughs) even though like it just, it's not even a joke. Like there's not really a (laughs) punchline. (laughs) <laughs> but it just pulls it off somehow. <laughs> but then compared that to who's my number three, which is uh, Dave Chappelle, just because <laughs> um, I know I couldn't say I was necessarily conscious of it uh, back in the day, but I know that Chappelle show kind of ruled comedy for the years that it was on the air. Mm-hmm. And just, like, how, like, groundbreaking it was for, like, <laughs> I don't know, the keys and peels of the world. Like, coming up trying to do skit comedy. <laughs> <laughs> like, something that voiced a different... Uh... <laughs> You're really pushing my buttons right now. I'm, I'm really pushing boundaries. <laughs> key and peel. No. <laughs> just a different voice in, like, skit comedy in the mainstream that, like, wasn't SNL. <laughs> But, yeah, just, like, with that and then uh, all of the stand-up specials, like, even with, like, the select, how selective he's been and actually choosing to share his specials and, like, if he's touring or not. Because <laughs> he's loaded and he's, like, able to not do it if he doesn't want to. But he has been, like, and he's also been, like, very poignant, like, with just having sets where he just goes up and, like, riffs or just, like, talks, like, from the heart, like, even with the very, like, serious topic of uh, George Floyd and, like, all the recent events, like, he, like, just went up, and, like, it was a serious talk, but, like, he had, like, comedic elements just from, like, his delivery, but didn't take away from the overall message, and, I don't know, I think he's just, like, an arid, like, a very naturally charismatic person. Mm-hmm. Clayton um, Bigsby. 
What? <laughs> Clayton Bigsby from the Dave Chappelle show. Who's a? He's the blind white supremacist that's black. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I haven't seen that one, but yeah, just in theory. It's like the first episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Sorry, I don't watch them in order on Hulu, Alex. <laughs> okay. My bad. <laughs> Who's your number two? <laughs> oh boy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, my number, <laughs> my number two. Unlike Jake, who only who uh, has known about him since middle school, apparently. Uh, I only found out about him like last summer or so. But uh, Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> uh, Mitchell started. My brother Mitch started playing like stand-up specials from him and i just died to them just because of how funny they are (laughs) like they're just so deadpan yet like they're so deadpan-y yet calling out for like i don't know cancel culture bs or whatever (laughs) he's able to just like go across the line but then come back so what are what are are you guys is so i i've Personally, I've never really heard it. I, I watched a little bit of his interview on Rogan, but I haven't listened to his special. Uh, what's the difference between his dark comedy and someone like Daniel Tosh's? <laughs> oh, I think yeah. that I think that Daniel Tosh plays off of like current events a lot, and it's almost mm. like cringy in how he does it. Anthony I, Jeselnik is literally just like thinking of the darkest possible humor that he has no relation to and making a joke about it. Like he has one joke think, and he's like, "I've been I've been looking for the killer of my girlfriend for months. I just can't find someone that'll do it yet." And it's just like, like there's no there's no like emotional tie to it to his humor. Like Daniel Tosh, I think holds grudges, and there's a lot of people he clearly doesn't like, and he just makes jokes towards that. Mm-hmm. Does <laughs> Does Anthony just like have a bit of Louis C.K. in him then? What? Well, like. Like Louis C.K., like he, had, I was listening to an interview he had on Stern, and he had this, he had this bit that he said it was too dark for a show, but it was, uh, we hate child molesters more than anything. Like we hate child molesters more than murderers, and so, and like a typical, like the thing with child molesters is like they know if they molest a child and the child goes and tells someone that they're never, they're gonna like go to prison for the rest of their life. So that's so they typically kill the child, and so Louis C.K. So the bit was. Uh, to to stop uh, to to prevent the murdering of innocent children, we should hate child molesters a little less, so they don't kill <laughs> the children after, you know. So is it, is is Anthony Jeselnik's comedy some a little some, something like that? Eh, he, it's it's all about the delivery. I mean, he Good. sets it up to go one way, and then it just does like a complete 180. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in that delivery. Not with the uh, Louis C.K. delivery of like trying to convince like people okay. of an obviously obnoxious argument, okay. like because I've seen okay. that and like with other bits that he's done. Dude, but, I just want to say I, I I know he's a terrible person and I don't agree at all with what he did, but man, Louis C.K. is so funny. I'm so pissed that he got canceled, <laughs> but it was for the right reason, so I can't get too mad. Okay, you tell him, bro. <laughs> I'm arguing, arguing to to the void at this point. <laughs> okay, uh, but to the point you made earlier about uh the differences between Jesselnik and Tosh, uh Jesselnik like he just uh, <laughs> uh he's very blunt with uh clear setup and punchline uh objectives with his jokes, 
while uh, Tosh uh, is more just like uh, almost like riffing and just like is commenting on things like think about like his show where like there's like a premise or a topic and then he just like throws in like three different like comments or like uh, metaphors or things to refer to that like make it funny. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of his I don't know if it's his newest one or his old Netflix special, but like some girls like uncontrollably laughing in the crowd, and he just like keeps calling her out to shut up. He's like, <laughs> shut up, your laugh is annoying. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, she continues to laugh harder. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. That's Tosh or Jesselnick? Jesselnick. Really? <laughs> yeah, see, Jesselnick would pull that off. Like, Tosh would kind of be like, <laughs> that wouldn't be as funny. But, honestly, I haven't listened to him lately. But, back when I did the most, honestly, it was the hardest I'd laugh to any other stand-up comedian. So mm-hmm. that's why <laughs> I actually had him as my number one. Daniel Tosh? Yeah. Wow, wow. Bit of an edgy humor guy, I see. I haven't listened to him recently, so I don't know how it's aged, but back then when I did, back then, like four years ago, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I did, like, it was so funny. Like, his whole joke about, like, uh, calling the, like, like for example, of him just, like, riffing. He was talking about someone who lost their head uh, because they, got, uh, because they uh, got kicked by someone's leg from a roller coaster, like, zooming by. <laughs> and he, like, made the joke that, like, everyone and their mother comes up to ask you how you broke your leg. And she gets to say that I punted a guy's head 90 yards <laughs> then he followed up with beat that Janikowski <laughs> like I don't know like <laughs> I don't know how it's aged but honestly I that's he's like the hardest that I've laughed at like the three specials that I listened to of him mm-hmm. and yeah like I said it just by like the hair is like the hair thinnest of margins but yeah that's one of those so getting into specials, Ben, do you want to give us some of your favorite specials? They don't have to be ranked. Just some like I didn't rank mine. There's some that I really enjoy. I don't know about off the top of my head. I haven't really been thinking a whole about a whole lot of specials recently. Um, but memorable ones. I mean, obviously, I'm surprised that neither of you guys mentioned him. But Donald Glover special weirdo is so amazing and like it's very <laughs> prevalent in our friend group, and I'm surprised. It isn't more prevalent in, like, comedic circles or, like, I haven't seen it on Twitter as much just because it's very funny and I don't see people uh, praising it as much as I think they should. I think if you're really stuck with stand-up comedy, I think it would be more well-known. But he really – he had that special and then he had – the one on Comedy Central, and then he just kind of stopped doing stand-up. You know, know, he obviously – Obviously, he's more successful in music and TV than he is, you know, stand-up. But he still was really, really good at stand-up. And I'm, I wish that he would have stuck with it more than he did. Yeah, but, but I, before, I, getting I, in, I, ahead, before getting into my list, for my favorite specials, I went with 
people that I didn't have on my list, and I did have Weirdo. And the reason I think that I put Weirdo on my, like, <clears throat> favorite specials list and I didn't put Glover on my favorite comedians is just because I th- I think I viewed, like, Glover, like, as comedy was, like, his third tier. Like, I yeah. thought I thought when it, come, it goes acting, music, and then, like, a huge gap, and then comedy. So that's why I just put mm-hmm. a special. But then you can get into the rest of your list. Yeah, it wasn't really a list. I was just going to bring up that point. And uh, th- uh, just for prevalent uh, specials that have been on my mind recently, <laughs> uh, mostly because of uh, the past two days, but I thought of Man on Fire, Chris Talia's special. God. Yeah, that's on my list, yep. <laughs> You're not Denzel. Life is <laughs> His point about <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the use of the term gay, if it actually applies to the situation yeah (laughs) it's like another dude looked at my waist and guessed it exactly (laughs) (laughs) i'm not saying gay isn't that stupid i'm saying that's gay (laughs) (laughs) uh is that all you got then ben yeah off the top of my head all right i'll go i'll go next uh yeah those both were on mine uh I know he's I know he's canceled now, but Chris Lee has two specials on his two newest specials, Man on Fire, and I forgot what this uh, other one he just released recently was. But the new one he just released, uh, I I haven't laughed that hard in a long long time. I was laughing so hard to the point that my mom like ran upstairs because she to ask if I was okay. You guys know my laugh, the the Windex, but. Uh, it got to the point where I was like screaming, I was like screaming, laughing, and it was just, it was so funny to me at the time. And obviously, he's canceled now, and I'm never gonna get another Crystalia special, and that makes me sad. But you know, he's kind of a, he kind of did a bad thing, so I guess it's okay. Uh, weirdo, and then uh, back to my list of comedians I liked. Uh, Aziz Ansari's Buried Alive, I think it's hilarious. The, the, <laughs> the whole party has about uh. Uh, his like cousin. Uh, what's his cousin's name? He's got this like fat little Indian cousin that's. He has this whole bit about, and I can't really remember off the top of my head, but it's so funny. Harrison. Har Harrison, yeah. Harrison. When he like met, the, he met a uh, he met a mute guy at a at a nursing home, and then he's like, how do you, how does he like ask for cookies and stuff? And he's like, well, he could talk, Harrison. Uh, so I, I really like Very Live. John Mulaney's new in town. I think that it was his first ever special, but uh, that was really funny. And uh, and then uh, Hannibal Burris Animal Furnace is is hilarious. So those are just some of my favorite specials that I like to watch. I'm not a big comedy special guy. I mostly just watch like like the the four to eight minute like clips on YouTube. And if I really want to watch one, I'll watch one. But I'm not a big comedy special guy. But there are a few that I really enjoy. <clears throat> Jake, what are some yeah, of so You guys actually hit on most of mine. So I had Donald Glover, Weirdo. I had Hannibal Burris. Um, gosh, I'm totally blank on the other one. Another one I had was one of the original Dave Chappelle ones. I can't exactly remember what it's called, but it was on Netflix a couple years back, and I watched it, and it was really, really good. And then the final one I had, I don't really find <laughs> Burt Kircher that funny, but the Flying Dildos... Uh, special on youtube is so funny where he goes into the <laughs> for its namesake the the helen keller house and confuses <laughs> confuses her for anne frank 
Or no, it was the other way around. He goes into the Anne Frank house and confuses her for Helen Keller. But still, that, like, the first time, the second time, the third time, and the fourth time I hear that, I still find it equally as funny. Like, it is, (laughs) it's delivered in such an amazing way. And I know that the story is probably fake, but just, like, the concept of it is so funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's where they kept her in a closet. They kept her in a closet? (laughs) (laughs) This is where she'd hide from the people hunting her. How did they not find her? (laughs) Wait, so where'd she burn her hand on the waffle iron? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know about that whole... uh, I don't know about that whole set. (laughs) No, yeah, that's... I don't think it's that amazing, the frat bro (laughs) humor that he kind of has but like that one like that one whole story is really funny yeah i i i don't really like the part where they're at the german strip club or whatever but like seriously that story alone in the Anne frank house like is enough to make me watch that whole comedy uh special again it's so funny Mm mm-hmm before we end, uh, I think we got a lot of comedy out of the way. Do we want to do a lightning round of our least favorite comedians? One our per person? Favorite? Okay, I'll yeah. get over first. Number one, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish plays the same character in every single movie she does. She is not funny. The slashly black woman trope has been done so many times, and she's the one that does it the most. And I, I despise Tiffany Haddish. Okay, and someone else go. Gabriel Iglesias is not funny. I don't care that you're fat and i don't care that you're fluffy it, there's no difference your sense of humor is not that funny you're just bigger and there's nothing wrong with that it, it it's not funny it has never been funny to me and it never will be funny again and like all of your comedy specials are the exact same and i don't think there's a single unique joke in any of them mm-hmm. he's been facts ben <laughs> Je- jeff dunham <laughs> we get we get it <laughs> You have puppets. <laughs> you, have puppets it. you have puppets and it's an excuse for you to make racist dro- jokes. Yeah, yeah, I was like, racism is out. You can leave now. Start, <laughs> you can just keep doing casino gigs in the South and stop it there. <laughs> one, one comedian that I don't really care for, I don't really find him that funny, but I do respect is uh, Jim Gaffigan. I don't, I'm not a big... I'm not a big clean comedy guy, not because I'm just like, you need a cuss to have fun, but it's just like, I, I like dirty jokes, and like I think swearing can make stuff funnier, but, so I'm not a big clean comedy guy, but I do think Jim Gaffigan has been doing it for so long, and I think he's done a great job of not drifting away from who he is as a comedian. It's, I, I really respect it, and I, I respect him as a comedian, I just don't find him that funny. I agree, but I can only take so many Hot Pocket jokes. Yeah, yeah. Before I leave the room. Mr. Carroll's used to play him all the time. <laughs> what? <laughs> you guys are trying to do your homework. <laughs> yeah, and Mr. Carroll's will play Jim Gaffigan. It's like, hey guys, watch this. <laughs> like, dude, please play some Dave Matthews band. <laughs> please, I haven't heard, <laughs> I haven't heard times, <laughs> times forty one since yesterday when I also had you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think. Unless you guys have any other comedic angles to add, I think that's going to do it for me on week 11 of the Turbo Team podcast. Is uh, is Tim Robinson a comedian? I consider him a comedian. So, a, I mean, I Tim Robinson, 
I consider Tim Robinson in the kind of the same tier, not not genre, but tier as Nathan Fielder, where I think their comedy is just so next level. It's so funny, you know. Seventy-five percent of Tim Robinson's comedy is just in his facial expressions and his voice. Dude, every time Tim Robinson yells, I die of laughing. I don't. I've never heard anyone like that's so funny when they yell as much as he is. He could read oh, the. Oh, gift. I got one. I can't believe I forgot one. Connor O'Malley, man. Connor oh, O'Malley yeah. is so yeah. goddamn funny. <laughs> and he's not yeah. a traditional stand-up. He's more of an actor. But watch dude, watch any of Connor O'Malley's YouTube videos. Just scroll through and pick a random one. I guarantee you will laugh. Watch his Vine Powered, compilation. Or his Vine comp- Power in Wall Street is so funny. Oh, which, or his newest one. Or the Joe Biden movie where he pitches Joe Biden on Wall Street uh, in Los Angeles. Or, uh, oh, what's his, <laughs> what's his Biden newest is one? Who- uh, his newest uh, one is about, like, uh, birds or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Connor O'Malley is so funny. On the topic of Tim Robinson, I can't believe I forgot him. Okay, I interrupted you, Jake. I'm sorry. I was going to say Tim Robinson could read the Gettysburg Address, and I would be crying of laughter. Just, like, the way he uses his voice with everything, and just, like, he screams at nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is your and, wife. This is his, your wife. His face like tenses up and he gets so stressed out and mad about nothing. <laughs> it's perfect. There's your one I think you should leave reference that is guaranteed on every single episode of the Turbo okay. Team podcast. Well, we're named after I think you should leave. I think we need to make one reference every episode. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I have a question for you guys on the topic of I think you should leave. So the, uh, the characters uh, sketch, the Pointer Brothers... If you were to put that in with the rest of I Think You Should Leave skits, where would that fall as far as rankings? It's top three for me. Really? <laughs> I think I think yeah, it would same, be top five. Same. I don't know if I don't know if it's just because it's that funny or if I'm just so like used to the other ones. But the first time you guys showed me the Pointer Brothers, man, that was so funny. <laughs> in just... the parking lot of canes. In the parking lot of Kane. Ben, I literally watched that like in December. I'm like, hey, you should watch this. And you're like, why do you always quote it? It's, it's not that funny. <laughs> Character, and then you, you never quoted the Pointer Brothers before. <laughs> <laughs> That's way different. Whoever didn't help her off the stage is a fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> Fight me. Fight me. <laughs> this is your wife. This is your this is your woman. <laughs> We're gonna be here a long time. <laughs> Damn it, Wagyu! We're in the, the weeds now. <laughs> Wagyu, Wagyu! How many people have you touched? Oh, like this whole this whole section. We're gonna be here forever. Ladies, Wagyu is not allowed to touch you. You hear that, Paul? He's not yeah, allowed. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, on that I note, think that I, does I it. think that we should leave. I think you should leave. <laughs> no, I think you should leave. This has been the Turbo Team Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ben Neeson, for Jake, <laughs> Brendan, Alex Powell. Have a good night. I'm 6'6". Six, six. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.